0: This morning, if we ever needed um, good news, it is certainly in 2020, and it is the greatest of news because we are in this Advent season where we remember the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ when he came into the world. You know, Philip Schaff, the great historian, said this about Christ coming into the world. The entrance of Christ into history is the most momentous of all events. It is the end of the old world and the beginning of the new Jesus Christ, the God-man, the prophet, priest, and king of mankind is, in fact, the center and turning point, not only of chronology, but of all history and the key to all its mysteries. And I think as Luke, the gospel writer, opens up um, his book, that's certainly what he has in mind um, is is telling us the key to all of history. So here's how Luke chapter 1 begins. He says, In the days of Herod... King of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth, righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So why does Luke bother to go through these details at the beginning of his of his book?
1: Well, in, in, he's setting up, Luke is setting up uh, to tell us th- about John the Baptist, and he's going to begin with the birth of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is a hugely significant figure. Uh, he's the one who comes to pre- prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. And uh, in, in some ways, uh, uh, John is like the he, he's he's the last of the Old Testament prophets who sneaked into the New Testament. But he's really kind of an Old Testament guy. I mean, he's he's a fiery Elijah-like figure. Um, in fact, uh, Jesus will say he is a type mm-hmm. of Elijah, if you'll if you'll accept him yeah. as that, mm-hmm. uh, the one who comes to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. And uh, what Luke is going to convey to us is the really miraculous. Uh, birth of John the Baptist, not a virgin birth, like Jesus, but uh, but still a miraculous birth. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth are advanced in years. Uh, Elizabeth has not had a child. Uh, it, and Elizabeth
2: is a cousin of of Mary.
1: Yes. and in, and in a way, their story calls to mind Abraham and Sarah in the mm-hmm. Old Testament and who God has made this promise. That through your offspring all the world will be blessed, but there's no offspring. Mm-hmm. So we've got Zechariah and Elizabeth in this same kind of situation.
2: As you mentioned, John the Baptist is going to be, in essence, the last of the prophets of the Old Testament. Although he's sneaking in here in the in the new, there's been 400 years of silence since uh, you know the uh, the last uh, prophet uh, has spoken. The last. Uh, re- direct revelation from God. So the people have been uh, lingering in hope of of the Messiah that was promised. Um, and uh, you know Mal- the book of Malachi, the last book we have in the Old Testament, ends that uh, the Lord is going to send the uh, prophet Elijah before the great day to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else he's going to curse the land. Well, uh, we know that God's promised a blessing. Uh, and so, uh, this was the longing. Now, people were, when Jesus showed up, they they even asked, "Are you the Are you Elijah?" He's he said, "No, John the Baptist was." If you can accept that, right. John the Baptist is the one who who has uh, declared, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." He's declaring uh, that the fulfillment of these things in Jesus Christ, and and the the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth are is a really interesting story anyway. When, as Phil was pointing out, they're advanced in years. Uh, You can imagine Zechariah's a priest that uh, serves at the temple. Actually, he, as you read Josh, he belonged to the course of Abijah. Now, there were there were duties that were assigned, and they and they would draw these duties by lot. And you can imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth Zechariah saying, "If I ever get the responsibility." To serve in this particular way, when I'm there in the Holy Holies, I'm gonna, I'm going to ask for a son, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, so I mean, here he is, advanced in age, and he's being promised uh, a, a son uh, in these early chapters of. Well,
1: in in fact, uh, this opportunity that he gets to go into the holy place and burn incense, and he was drawn by lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would be among all the among all the priests, and he only serves two weeks out of the year in the actual temple work. Um,
2: and he can only serve in that position once. And he once. can only
1: serve in that position. So this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing, mm-hmm. that he will be by himself in the holy place burning incense. And they, they would go in, uh, there would be a group go in, but then the others would withdraw and just for a few minutes he's going to be all alone in this most holy place. Not not, not quite it's not the Holy of Holies, which right. was one one step further in, uh, but it's called the, the most holy place. This is this is a once in a lifetime opportunity uh, for him and a great a great privilege.
3: When you uh, approach the different gospel accounts, you really have different purposes for each of the gospel writers and, and different styles and different approaches. Um, for When you're in the gospel of Luke, you know that there are no throwaway lines for Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells you up front. He front loads the gospel by saying, I have searched this out carefully, and my intent was to write an orderly account. Yeah. And so for Luke, he's meticulous about what he's including in this account. Um, And so when you have these details, sometimes you look at it and you say, well, that seems like that's not necessary for the story. Um, But he writes in 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 verse 5 or 6, I'm sorry, and they were both, speaking of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Well, why is he telling us this? Well, he's actually mirroring what's been talked about in in Deuteronomy 28. It's the covenant blessings that come for obedience. It says, "...and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today," the lord will your god will see you high above all the nations of the earth and then it lists all of these blessings and one of the blessings is blessed shall be the fruit of your womb so you're reading the opening part of of luke and you read and they were both righteous before god walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the lord and they had many children and were blessed with many children is what the Jew would read. Yes. Instinctively in their head for the next sentence. But the next line is the shock. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Mm-hmm. And it's the drama of the story of these are people of all people, two People from priestly families that are obedient, righteous, faithful, should be under the blessing of God, but they have no children. Mm-hmm. And, and And as a reader, you're supposed to say, well, what's going on? This doesn't make any sense. This isn't how it's supposed to be, which then sets up, I think, the rest of the story for... The shock, if you will. Yeah,
2: and God's glory is going to be manifest in these individuals. We read a different story when the Annunciation is made to Mary, uh, the response of Mary uh, when she says, be it unto me according to your word. Um, Zechariah, when he receives a message, he's met by an angel in the holy place, and he's told that he's going to have a son, his his wife's going to have a son, instead of uh, he actually evidence is a certain amount of doubt. How can this be? He, how can I be sure of this? It's the answer that comes back is, you know, the angel says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And, and you, know, you should get this message. Yeah. You know, I don't know who he thought was in there, but uh, you know, he should have understood. And he should have understood because the uh, promises that he'd read throughout, you know, the Word of God. But he should have understood, and he uh-huh. and he didn't. He he fails to he fails to respond in the right way. The Lord leaves him mute, yeah. and uh, until he recognizes later the promise, and he announces the name that was given to him by the angel.
0: Yeah. One of the things that um you mentioned, Russ, the the the, the details are are so important. That's how Luke sets up the the gospel. You notice uh, how, as Jonathan pointed out, there was 400 years of silence from heaven to earth. No prophetic word at all. Then the angel shows up, and Zechariah falls on his face in fear. And what are the first words from heaven? The first words from heaven in 400 years were, do not be afraid. Yeah. And, and those are such gospel-soaked words because not only did – I mean, I, I think – contextually, of, of what the Jews were facing at this time. They were facing Roman oppression. They were, of course, facing the the human universal problem of sin. They had their families. They had poverty. They had oppression. They had all of these things, much like many of the things that we face today. And the first words from heaven were, do not be in, afraid. In every
2: account of the revelation of, of God at this point, whether it was to uh, Zechariah, to Joseph, to Mary to the shepherds the very first words are fear not yeah. the, the, that's the that's the story the, the announcement is going to be of good news and they don't need to fear right.
1: well also also I won't take a vow to this but I think in scripture every time it's mentioned that a woman is barren she ends up having a child that's a gift from God mm. I think every time mm-hmm. And in a way, Zechariah and Elizabeth here in their barrenness, their childlessness, they're a picture of Israel. Uh, and, and the question is, does Israel have, do they have hope? Does Israel have hope? Does the world have hope? Remember, they haven't, Israel hasn't heard a word from the Lord in 400 years. And Josh, as you mentioned, they're under Roman oppression. They're being ruled by corrupt King Herod. Do they have any hope? And God always starts with with a mustard seed of hope. This. And it's interesting.
3: And then here, they've been praying for a son. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the angel says, God's heard your prayers. Heard your prayers. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that they're praying, you know that they don't actually have faith. Yeah. Um, because but... when the answer comes, they don't believe the answer. <laughs> right. So God is so gracious that he answers a prayer that at the end of the day, They really didn't even believe. Yes.
2: Yeah, but their their unbelief doesn't invalidate God's promise. You know, and that's the point. You know, um, God God is faithful. If we are faithless, He will remain faithful, for He cannot disown Himself. The promise is made by God, and He won't disown His promises.
0: Amen. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time.